In Dick of the Week, we talk about dirty stuff and use dirty language. We're rated M for mature. Listener discretion is advised. <laughs> dick of the Week. Dick, dick of the Week. Dick, dick, dick of the Week. Dick, dick, dick. Dick of the Week. Dick, dick. Dick of the Week. Dick of the Week. Dick of the Week. Dick, dick. Dick of the Week. Give me that D, yo. Hey everybody, it's Liz. Before we begin today's episode, I just wanted to give you a little bit of a heads up. That sounds way more serious than that actually is, so don't stress. But we did try a little bit of an experiment and attempted to do a TikTok live while recording this episode. And you know, us being us, we didn't actually like, you know, try out the technology before we began. So, no idea how this is going to turn out. I'm about to dive into editing the audio. I just want to warn you that it's very, very possible things will not sound quite as good as they normally do. And we tried our best not to like talk over each other, but uh, no promises. No promises. Next time, if we do this again... Um, hopefully it will go better. <laughs> but thank you to everybody who joined in on the TikTok live and asked Stephanie questions. And yeah, hopefully it wasn't a total fail. Let's get into it. For those of you who don't know, Stephanie and I have a podcast called Dick of the Week where we talk about everything we love and sometimes hate about romance novels. Yep. Both of us are romance writers and readers. And yeah, we are focusing today mostly on the fact that stephanie just released her very first book yeah look what i okay i did prepare here (laughs) (laughs) so what's really funny is this is my author's copy from barnes and noble who i will not be probably putting my book through but it looks so much pinker than the amazon one so it does crazy this this has a much more like that's more rose goldy this is like just straight up pink yeah pink which they're both good but you know went through so many different colors i really did i like the amazon one better right now i'm moving them from barnes and noble to ingram spark so hopefully they'll be more uniform that's funny that we both had one hand that's the only thing i did to prepare was i put (laughs) the book next to me and that was all i did that was the only preparation i love when our shit works out when when we happen upon something cute, you know, that's the dream, really. So typically, for those of you who um, have never listened to our podcast before, we normally start with things that we have read recently. I know both mm-hmm. of us have been in writing and editing trenches. So, like, Stephanie, have you read much recently? Um, I read Electric Idol by Katie Robert. I'm always, like, so unsure of the us or not. Uh, and that was delightful. And then I read Deceived by the Gargoyles by Lillian Lark. Uh which was so, you know, it's really funny because I feel like a lot of times people when they do reviews of Lillian Lark, they're like, it was so wholesome. And I'm like, you know what? It was so wholesome. You know, it, it did it bang? Yes. But was it wholesome? Also, yes. So I really Somehow wholesome despite all the nodding. <laughs> yeah. I've actually been doing a lot more movie watching recently because I've been writing and um, editing, which is I, I watch things in the background. So like when I was writing the bulk of this second book, I was watching rewatching Gilmore Girls because I am 34 and a white woman. Yes. So that it, I can, it's in my DNA, I think, um, to, to have that as a comfort show. Yes, it really is hard to be a part of book talk while you're not reading. Fact. Like recently I'm like, I, I can't add to any discourse. I can't add to any comment section. I got nothing because like people are reading all the new releases and I'm like, I am so out of the loop. But yeah, I've been watching a lot of movies. So I watched this movie, Metropolitan. 
And it's by the same guy who did this movie called Friendship and Love, which is a Jane Austen adaptation. It's on Amazon Prime. It is got Kate Beckinsale in it. Um, and Chloe so oh I can never say her last name, but she's delightful. But it's the same guy and it's like the same attitude, but it's from 1989, I think. We watched it this week and it was completely delightful. It's about a bunch of like 22, 21, 22 year olds, and like it's debutante season and they're all like upper crust. So it's very much like I don't know. I just watch it. <laughs> I'm really bad at like why you should watch it. I just really enjoyed it. It was very, it was just, it tickled me. And then I watched this other movie called Bound, which is basically the tagline I would say is be gay, do crimes, get money. Nice. Yeah, it was very good. Jennifer Tilly's in it, the hot woman with the crazy voice. So I loved it. Uh, I mean, I just finished reading by just, I mean, like a week ago, Sasha and the Butcher by. <laughs> Certain Stephanie Kazows. Um, I just finished listening to We Can't Keep Meeting Like This by Rachel Lynn Solomon, which is one of her a bit more YA, but it's like YA going into new adult. Like there's a little bit of sexual content, um, but and they're like 18 to 20 year olds, like just finished college and just finished their freshman year or no, sorry, just finished senior year of high school and just finished freshman year of college. So that type of YA, I don't feel weird <laughs> if there's a little bit of something, something happening. Sure. Uh, it's it's when minors are getting it on and you get explicit information, I get a little uncomfortable. Yeah. But it was really cute. Um, she's from a family that has a family run wedding planning company and his family are caterers. Like they have a cater company and so they tend to work together. So I think the way this works is like I can only see stuff on my side and you can only see stuff on your side, right? Like we don't see like yes. each other's Yeah. That's silly. That's yep. super silly. So the big point of this episode of Dick of the Week, uh this is our first one of 2022, so we're happy to be back. But since Stephanie did just release her very first book that she's been working on for a couple of years, we just wanted to kind of talk and discuss about um being brand new indie writers, what goes into that, her experience of writing not quite dark but semi-dark mafia funny book that does like it's 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 in a subgenre but it doesn't quite fit in like any particular subgenre. Yeah. Yeah. I don't even think I don't even think it was like even a conscious thought. I think I just started writing and I did it and then it's it is not does not to market. So, I mean, like, it's mafia. It's just the light side of mafia. It's like a, it's a gateway mafia book, is what I'll yeah. say. I think it's like a good gateway. It's not gonna, you know, no one's getting kidnapped in this book. Right. And he's really nice, but people do get off right in front of the main character. So, I don't know, like, it's just different vibes than usual, I guess. Explain how you got into mafia in the first place. I was working a job I hated, and I got on Wattpad. Um... <laughs> Because I was like, I read fan fiction and stuff when I was a teenager. And then I found Wattpad and I was like, oh, free stories. And so it started with me reading paranormal fiction. Every hero was 18 to like 21. And at this point, I was like 27. And I was like, uh, yeah. no, it's a no for me. Um, Especially like when they make like 18 year olds say all this like crazy, like hypersexual stuff that I'm just like, I'm like thinking back to high school and the 18 year olds I knew. And I'm like, no, no. Um. And so I wrote, I decided I was, I was going to write. It's, it's weird. Um, and like, not if, if that's your bag, that's cool. I, not, I just can't. And now that I've got kids, it's even like weirder. 
I mean, my kid's only like one in three, but like at some point they will in fact be a teenager and I feel like I'm not gonna be able to handle it very well. I was, so I wrote a paranormal romance where everyone was at least 25, if not almost in their thirties. And then after that, I started reading the mafia books because I like, I like dark romance. I like messed up stuff. And so I, <laughs> I started reading mafia books, but was having the same kind of problem. Like there were no grownups on Wattpad. So all these books, the, this book originally, the first iteration of it was on Wattpad. And then, since then I've taken it down and like obviously rewritten and done stuff to it. But yeah, that's where it started. It was just like, I want to read some grownups banging. And that is how all of my books come into to existence is. I want grown-ups banging. So in the in the Wattpad Mafia world, was it mostly like 18, 19 year olds or like It was a lot of youth. It was a lot of youth. Like there might be some 20 year old, 21 year olds, but like Wattpad's also like it is a younger audience. So it makes sense that they'd be writing right. books of their own age group. So like I'm not like again, this is not to this is not a slight on anyone that enjoys that, writes it, whatever. It's just that's what was there. And it wasn't like what I wanted to read. So I was like, well, I can write something maybe someone would want to read. And then both my paranormal book and Sasha, the first iteration, did okay on Wattpad. So it kind of gave me like the, oh, I can maybe make this better and then see if I could to publish it. And I was always going to, I always doing the self-publish because I don't do well waiting. And so like this, the traditional publishing route is a lot of waiting. Yes. When I have to wait, there's way too much time for me to like start second guessing myself, start second guessing if I should even do something. So like if I had to wait for querying and then I'd have to wait for submission and then I'd have to wait for even the book to come out, there's just no way. There's no way I could wait years. I am not a pain. Although saying that this book, Sasha was finished. The first, ver the first draft of it finished in 2019. <laughs> July. I was going to say that. Like, I like how you're saying this when you started this book in like 2017 or 18. <laughs> the book finished in 17, and the first book started in June, August of 2017. I finished it June of 2019, and then it just sat there until September of 2021. <laughs> but that's at least that was a you thing, and not someone else making you wait thing. So that's still you being in control of that situation. Yeah. You were just working on other projects. Yeah, I, waiting is like a big, I think a big reason for a lot of people that don't want, that want to self-publish because yeah, yeah, you'll be waiting till October for your book to come out. But it, like Liz just said, it's up to you when it's coming out and like how it's coming out and what you're doing with it. So yeah, it's, I, I can't wait. I don't have that patience. And like, I also, like Liz said, my book isn't even really to market even in the indie world. Like it's a little weird for indie. So I can only imagine what what's a trad agent going to do with my mafia romance. That's bizarre as hell. <laughs> it's not even that bizarre. It's just like if you've ever like watched Get Shorty or like the comedic criminal movies and stuff, it's more like that. Like there's more of that vibe plus like serious stuff plus a lot of angst because like also my hero cries. I'm pretty sure my hero's crying like every single book I write. <laughs> that's a good that's a good idea to um I got a comment on mine. A big part of uh, why the book her book won't come out until October is that the cover won't be done until August and she doesn't want too much time between books which is like very smart you want to like if you want like if you for some reason get a hit on your hands with your first book you want to have that next book ready to go like my next book I have the um the pre-order marked from uh May 31st the goal is to have it out by like mid to late April so like but I just gave my myself that time on the pre-order in case I would need to like adjust the date so you don't want too much time because yeah if you if you get a hit you don't want to wait. <laughs> you want something ready to go. But yeah, and then the third book will come out hopefully like a month after that. So, because it's a cliffhanger second book. So we don't want to like, we don't want to have that. 
for too long. I did everything you're not supposed to do. I wrote my first books out were trilogy. You're not supposed to do that. Um, they're not as dark as they could be. I have a bisexual plus size heroine who has more of the characteristics you're used to in one of these mafia novels, like the brashness, the ego, the machismo. She's got more of it than he does, at least in a relationship. Yeah. When you start seeing Luca in his element with his family, you'll see, you see more of it. You see more of like what you, the traditional guy. And like in the second and third book, you see even more of it. He, you Cause Sasha's not in the dark anymore. She knows he's a mafia guy. She gets to see it. So uh, the second, third book, you're going to see way more. Part of me is almost like, I think the first book is pretty self-contained. I don't think it doesn't, there's things un, not tied up. Like, right. Like there's like arc stuff that goes through the three books. But as far as like Sasha and Luca go, you get like a pretty happily for now. And if you stopped reading, you wouldn't feel like you're missing really much. The next book is a cliffhanger. And then the third book wraps up their, their story and leads us into the fourth book. I think, I think there might be an argument to be made that someone could jump into the second book without reading the first You'd miss out on a lot of good stuff, but I think there might be an argument for it. I think there might be an argument for being able to jump into that second book. If you want to skip over the beginnings where he's, where you only see soft him and you want to get right to like mafia him, you'd want to probably jump to the second book. I don't know. I'm probably not going to tell anyone that except for the people in this life. <laughs> Any, anyone who happens to listen to our podcast. I just got a question. Are your books with the same characters? So the first three are, the first three are Sasha and Luca. And then every book after that will be a one couple HEA. Again, I'm not doing what you're supposed to do. I have, um, and that's not because I'm trying to be a rebel or cool or anything. It's just how it happened. And like when I decided, when I was picking through the books that I was going to do, all of them were series. So the first three books are going to be Sasha and Luca. They're a trilogy. It's It basically introduces you into the world. And it's the story of like him taking the seat of power in his family. And then from there, you'll be able to like follow the stories because you'll understand the base ground reality. But I do think you'll be able to jump into the next books, which will all be standalone. Well, not, I mean, standalones as far as a series goes, interconnected series goes, um, but it'll be different couples for every book with an HEA. So yeah, so that that's what I'm doing. And it wasn't on purpose. It's not because I'm cool. It's because I don't listen or pay attention. It's going to be cool, I think. I'm excited for it. I'm working on the family trees today. So like (laughs) I on accident came up with like three extra books that aren't even a part of the original six that I had planned. I just got the question. So for the romance elements, how do you maintain tension when they are together already? So I don't know if you, Zoe York talks a lot about third act breakups and why they're not necessary. So in my book, the first one, at least I do have a breakup. And one of the, one of the things I paced their relationship over the three books. So the first book, they actually spend quite a bit of time apart because that's, that's that part of the book. That's for that part of the arc. And then, oh no, it's, I mean, not really. It's fine. (laughs) It's not really a spoiler because it, this book is a more mature. I am so confused over here. (laughs) Oh, I'm sorry. Someone asked, was that a spoiler? It helps. I missed it. Lol. (laughs) No. So in the first book, in the first book, uh, we, we do see a breakup. So that's, that's fairly typical of most romance novels. Yeah. But so I paced their romantic arc over the three books. But once we get to a certain point, it's not them internally questioning their relationship. It's the outside world. So it, it becomes less of them against each other and them against the world. So I'm building tension that way where like the world is point, trying to thwart them. Now, am I going to be successful? I don't know. That'll be up to readers and will not be my business at a certain point. Um, but this book is, um, 
it's just like so while his arc is about his you know him being in the world her arc is about her being in the world and how and then their romance gets weaved in between that yeah so it, that's that's kind of I think when you're doing more than one book with a couple, you pace their relationship across the series, not across one book. Kind of like a TV show. Like, so view like each book, like an episode or even like a season of a show. And then like, I watch a lot of TV. So all my writing is very episodic. So like even the chapters, like I try to make sure there's like one or two inciting incidents, uh, incidents. And then I try to make sure that there's, we're progressing over the arc as well as having like the monster of the week in each chapter. So that's kind of how I've arced this series out. Um, and again, my book is not dual POV. It is one POV. I keep telling everyone that because that's another thing that is not completely on subgenre. Um, it is yeah. just from Sasha's perspective for three books. People like it. People don't like it. It is what it is. It's what's happening. So um, the next books might be dual POV where it makes sense. Um, I'm kind of letting the story and the characters dictate when it's necessary but book four is looking like it's probably going to be a dual pov yeah i i think single PO, uh, i got uh, mine's going to be a single pov and i think that's okay yeah i think single povs are fine i like them if they're done well if the character is interesting enough i'm fine with it one like sometimes so i've talked about this probably ad nauseum to liz uh but people talk about hating the miscommunication trope right but people love a dual pov because they're seeing the miscommunication trope is happening, but they're seeing both sides. So to them, there's no miscommunication. Like they, the story isn't miscommunicated to them, but the characters are still having it. So like when you love that, the one character's like, he hates me. But then you see the next chapter that he's like in love with her. That's, t is that not the miscommunication trope? I'm so confused. Is that not it, Liz? Man, the way that people talk about the miscommunication trope, like I, I don't even, I don't even freaking know anymore. Like I feel like it's the most realistic thing when it comes to relationships that like someone says something that the other person misunderstands or doesn't quite get. And that leads to issues. Like the majority of fights that happen, even if you fix that fight within five, 10, 15 minutes or a couple of days, typically it's because someone didn't communicate properly. Right. Like, I, I don't understand why it's so hated. Well, I think for me, it's just funny because people love dual POV so that they can have the miscommunication trope, but they don't have to live through the anxiety of it because they get to see both sides. I think people don't like having the anxiety of the miscommunication trope with one POV, but I don't know. It's different kinds of tension to me. And maybe that's part of like me doing improv comedy. Like tension's good to me. I like any kind of tension. So yeah. as long as you do it well. Uh, Lady of Earthgrave Manor was a single POV. Yes, it was. And I was never bored. So <laughs> I was never bored in that book. But yeah, I, um, there's lots of little things that I, um, you know, had I joined groups before or even talked to my published friends, maybe would have done a little different as far as like writing what I, how I wrote, what I decided to write first. Um, but eh, you know, I'm learning. It's my first year. So, well, and you have so many books planned that you put like things that are already written or you plan to write that like it, it will all happen. It will happen eventually. Yeah, I'll figure out. My, I feel like people, you gotta figure out your rhythm. I feel like uh, that's another thing. I'm not, I know that I'm still learning and stuff. So there's like no, I was really scared to like get reviews and stuff. Because as an indie author, you put out arcs because you need the reviews. And it's also still your job to make sure you get the, the reviews from those people. So you do have to look at the reviews, which like I am definitely on the mindset that reviews are not for writers, they're for readers. And so I have to go against my own instincts and have to like check. So 
I was really scared. But what I've discovered is when you've done comedy on a stage where no one's laughing at you to your face, it's really easy to like get over someone not liking your book via a review online. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. I've bombed way too many improv sets. I've bombed way too many sets to like, and had no one laugh and just staring at me while I have a big light on my face on a stage. You really be that upset about someone not liking my book because they hate the character. It's like, oh, that's fair. I don't like every character I read. So, all right. I mean, yeah, most bad reviews are just subjective dislikes. Yeah. And if you can, like, just deal with the fact that not everyone's going to like your book, which, again, I also did political science as my major and philosophy and religion. So, like, all of my majors were basically people telling me I was wrong my whole life. <laughs> so I definitely am already, like, predisposed to be like, yeah, that's probably true. <laughs> but, yeah, it's really easy not to take them personally because, like, you hate this thing, but I really like it. So agree to disagree, but thank you for giving it a try. I am always thankful that someone tried to read my book. And some of the best thing is uh, a few of the bad reviews I've gotten so far have basically been people saying that it's well written, but they didn't like it. And I'm like, that's fine. Yeah. <laughs> but thank you for the compliment on that it was well written. I really appreciate it. Because <laughs> I, I think that's actually kind of great. The fact that like, oh, like something's written well. And you're like, I, I see the craft here, but these people or this story just isn't for me. Yeah. And that's such a subjective thing anyway. That like, I would happily take those. I thank you, thank you. I feel like I I feel like I arrived when I started getting the, the bad ones. I was like, thank you. Someone read it to the end and didn't like it. That's badass. <laughs> yes, that's the kind of bad review you can work for. Me. Yeah, exactly. That's a bad review that can work for me. Or like, I really like the one that's like, it's really well written. I just don't like it. <laughs> I like. I was so tickled. I like laughed for like ten minutes. So I was like. I, cause that was like the first bad one. And I was like, I should probably feel bad, but it was like, they just didn't like it. I've, I've not liked a lot of things other people liked, you know what I mean? Like, or I don't know. I think that I'm going to be okay <laughs> as far as reviews go. Also, cause I'm writing something for fun. Like this is fun for me and this is a fun story. And if you don't like how I have fun, that's okay. Cause you can have fun a different way. I don't know. Maybe I'm just like really open-minded about like what other people like. So Especially because I DNF books I know people love, so it makes it easier to get. Yes, exactly. Yep, yep. I have DNF books that people absolutely love. Yep. Yep. That's ex I mean, that's it right there. If you've ever DNF'd a book that I very have, like, I used to never DNF books. Um, Like, it was just, like, a thing. Like, I couldn't do it. But I feel like within the past, like, four or five years, I've realized how much more my time is worth. Like, if mm -hmm. I'm not purposely hate reading something just to, like, bitch to you about, <laughs> but, like actually just like oh I, I chose to read this book and i'm not digging it no dnf that thing find something else there's so many options out there you're gonna find something you want yeah so it's been a really good week and then also i mean like i got really i got really lucky with i got really i'm really supported by the people around me i'm a, i'm surrounded by a lot of creative people so i think that helps like there's people that have bought my paperback that i know are never gonna read it i like, really appreciate that about them and um, again, if you've ever done improv or any kind of like performing arts, you know, your first show, everyone, you know, comes to it. Everyone, you know, comes to it after that diminishing returns. So I'm like just basking in this like initial like super support and it's just great. So yeah, it's been a, it's been a good week. I was like stressed out and then it just happened and it was not a really that big of a deal because you know, the world continues whether you're stressed out or not. So 
I stressed myself out because I'm doing edits on book two. And I saw something that could make it better and I have to do a whole subplot rewrite. And it's like kind of gutting me because it's like across five or six chapters. Oh. And I'm trying to get this book done so I can hand off to betas by March 1st. So How much time were you, are you allotting yourself for editing each book? Because that's something I personally am trying to figure out with my current first my debut and working on edits and then like realistically like this is the first time I'm like hardcore hardcore going through editing process and I'm like I don't know what's realistic to give myself time wise of like I need to be done with this step by this point so I can then do this step so then I can do that step kind of thing you know Mm -hmm. um so with Sasha I took the month of September to edit I took a whole month Um, I did the same thing over and over again because I wasn't sure what I was doing. I had read a couple books about self-editing. Spoilers, I didn't have a professional editor because I don't have money. I read a million articles. I got three different books. And what's funny is I had actually found an article that was freaking perfect. Had all the seven things that I do the most already listed and I lost the link. I still can't find it. I searched for days for this link, mind you. Like I'm crying upstairs looking for this link and Jordan's like are you okay I'm like I can't find my my editing link and so I ended up being able to bastardize a new list like you sent that to me maybe I sent you something I don't think it's the link it's not the perfect link unless it's from like two years ago if it's from two years ago then maybe it is and that would be amazing but let me I will search my because I like save random links that people save me send me regarding writing, so I will search my links and see if I find. Because I used it when I, when I first initially started editing Sasha back in 2019, I found this link that was perfect. It had everything I needed, it had all the filter words, everything. But since then, today actually, I was supposed to after I was done editing write down what I did because I actually had it written down on a notepad, but I can't find the notepad. So that's really cool of me. Good job, Stephanie. Um, so today I created a 20, a number, a 20 point list to check on every chapter. The last thing is a read aloud. So I first, first, last time, and I think I'm probably going to switch this around. First, I did a Grammarly run through, but I did a Grammarly pro. I did pro writing aid after that because I wanted to see what would happen because they catch different things. They really do. And then sometimes they disagree with each other. And then you have to hit Google and figure out what's right. Um, and I did that. And I think I'm still going to use both because I do like both. I will say one of them does weird formatting stuff in Word when you use the add-in on the Office 365. And I don't know which one did it, but it was really messed up. And it made me, I had to fix, like it would duplicate parts of sentences. It was very strange. I don't know what happened. And I'm actually battling that on chapter one a little bit on book two. Um, and so I did that. And then I would search through for like, word, for all L-Y words. So um, adverbs basically. And my most terrible, the most, the adverbs I use the most are slowly and gently because I write sex. So find slowly and gently and try to find a stronger word. Are you anti all adverbs? No, but if you can find a better noun, do that. Like I leave, I leave adjective. I mean, I I leave adverbs in, but the thing is, is sometimes you're using adverb when there's a better verb to be used. Yeah, that's fair. Like slowly walked. There's a million better words than slowly walked, right? So I search for all the L-Y words. Um, I search for all the L-Y words and then go through and see if I can replace them. If I can't, I don't stress myself out about it. And then I go through and look for like that and see if I can get rid of the that's. And then actually, you know, I've got the 20 list thing. Hold on. Let me, (laughs) let me pull up my 20 things. Hey, what was the thing that you were initially looking for? Because 
Because I just found a link you had sent me that's right it sideways. When, from when, though? Oh, God, girl. I don't know. This is an article from 2011, so you probably sent... I mean, you sent it to me at some point, but... Who knows? I send you so much stuff. I don't know. Send it to send it to me on a look. These are... This is a write it sideways. These filler words are weakening your fiction. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that sounds like something. It means... But there was one that had, like... It was, like, a seven... It, is it, like, seven ways to improve your novel? Or your writing? The number seven's involved in the title of it. I know that. It doesn't matter. I wouldn't stress about it. So for so this this time this is what I'm gonna do. This is my plan of attack. First, I'm gonna look at trouble words like the lies, the lays, the witches, the words, all of those. Search for all those trouble words that could possibly give me trouble because I'm bad at conjugating the lay and the lie. So I got to figure that one out. And then I'm gonna be basically go through and try to replace any negative with positive. So like saying she didn't say a word, say she was silent. Like, so basically saying it's like more powerful to like say what they're doing. I read this like whole, like I read like four or five articles about it and it makes sense. I don't always change it all, but again, this is like one of those things where I search for this stuff, but that doesn't mean that I continue. Like it doesn't mean I always replace, right? That makes sense. And then I do filter words. So, like, so like, then I do filter words like felt, watched, saw, um, anything that isn't, Anything that is a step between me and the action, I, I, I try to get rid of those the best I can. Now, sometimes if you have taken away one of the senses from your character, it's good to use those words. But like most of the time, they can see what's happening and they could just narrate that. So I also write in first person. So like that's really important. So me saying I felt his hands, it'd be way better to say his hands and then whatever they did. That makes sense. And then like then I have to look up nodded, sighed, gazed, glanced, looked and see if I can rework that sentence in a way that's more unique because <laughs> I'm basic and I love a good nod. I love a good a good uh, nod. I love a good shrug. Um, so I have to go through it. And, and instead of doing those things, instead of her looking, possibly she tossed the hair out of her eyes, whatever, you know, something. I end up including a whole lot of like chuckles and laughs and get like things like like <laughs> that yeah, sort of your, like reaction word. Find your reaction words that you use and try to like root at least like a good chunk of them out because you probably use them to death because I know I do. Yeah. And then I'm gonna do uh, the ly words so gently, slowly, but and I again I'm not against adverbs in general. I just think that sometimes you use an adverb plus a really weak verb, and sometimes you could just find a better verb. And then it makes sense more interesting. So, like, if you can, can do. If you can't, also fine. Because sometimes you can't find a word that better fits. Um, or you've already used a better word in a previous sentence, so you need to use the the, the worst version in the next. So, uh, and then I'm going to do uh, a search of, like, like, helping words, like, slightly, almost a bit, those kinds of things. Because it, like, lessens the immediacy. Yeah. Yeah. But, like, again... If it makes sense, leave it. And then I'm going to go through my adjectives and make sure I'm using the best versions of best adjective possible. And if there's not a better noun, because sometimes, again, same same rules apply. And then like sticky words, like all those glue words that they talk about that Grammarly's like, oh, no. Or no, pro writing aid tells you how sticky your sentences are. So really? Yeah, that's helpful. Yep. And then like getting rid of redundancies like up and down when you don't need them. So like, re- re- like reduce your prepositions, which I am notorious, notorious for too many ups and downs when I don't need them. And then like the where, would, could, and the ing. So basically, again, just always finding, seeing if I can find a better verb. And then that, 
very really, which is still the L-Y kind of thing. And then, and then I read aloud. And then I do grammar like for writing it, and then I read aloud. And reading aloud makes you feel crazy. Hi, Kikat. Is that Phantom? Shelly. Oh, Shelly. Yeah, baby. I hate the sticky sentence. <laughs> yeah, sticky sentences. So sometimes I, I am a, fe- a big offender of using sticky sentences that I do have to go through and edit out, which is making me a better writer when I'm writing. So I'm kind of avoiding them more. But Lord, ugh, because it gives you a percentage of how many sticky sentences you have on for writing aid. It's embarrassing. <laughs> It's embarrassing how many. Can you sticky define sentences. sticky sentences? Like words with too many words, like that, like that's and thus, like words that don't mean anything, like and like you know, like all the helping words. I am clearly very, very knowledgeable. No, that actually that makes a lot of sense. And I, as I'm going through like my, my first solo, going through read through, and I've been editing like line editing as I'm also looking to make sure my plot there is a plot kind of situation. Mm-hmm. I've been trying to like get rid of extra that that's and and words yeah words like that that i'm like oh i can i can tighten this up yes if you google it you can usually find like charts that tell you all the sticky words and you can just kind of go through and search for them and again assess and see if you need to remove them or not i feel like i get all my sticky sentences. yeah i can't get it down enough yeah it does feel like i'm just constantly battling battling sticky sentences especially when you're writing sex scenes because there is like a you don't want to make abrupt endings to things. So sometimes those sentences can get sticky because <laughs> because of that. <laughs> sticky sex scenes. <laughs> I, do, I definitely do a lot of um, the read aloud is a big thing for me, though. I, I read my whole book out loud to myself. Yeah. And I think that helps because I do like the um, because I do improv. The dialogue for me is the most important. So I do spend a lot of time saying the dialogue out loud to myself to make sure it sounds natural and good. Yeah. And interesting and not boring. Like there's not too much wasted words there because my books are ninety thousand words. Like that's I don't want them more than that. I want them at ninety thousand. That's what we want. And I write pretty much to that. Like I I've written three full books and each time have hit ninety thousand. Except for Celeste, that one was at a hundred thousand, but that's a paranormal romance. So I feel like I'm given a little room there. But the th- oh, I just finished three. The three contemporaries I've written have all hit eighty to ninety thousand words. Uh, before edits I don't write I don't I don't really have to cut anything because I like I write pretty bare bones I actually punch up usually when I write like me and Liz write a podcast together and usually my episodes are short and then get punched up so yeah that's kind of how I write I don't I usually write as bare bones and I'm the opposite I always I always need cutting yeah I I'm so thankful so thankful that I don't have to cut because I don't I think that that'd be really hard for me (laughs) because I outline so it's like, well, but I outlined it and it's in the outline. This is part of the story. Like, I don't know if I take this out, I have to go through the rest of it and change, which is what I'm doing right now is I'm changing something. I'm actually taking, I guess I am actually taking something out this time, but it's more of like a change. So it's like a flip flop. I think I'm only cutting like a thousand words by making this subplot change, but still I'm an adder. I'm not really a subtractor. Yeah, no, currently I, I would like to be able to cut like 15,000 words from my book. <laughs> I mean, that's... <laughs> Which is well, you, said you're cutting, you said you were cutting whole chapters, so I feel like you're going to get that. Yeah, I, I'm cutting, I think, the first full two chapters. Like, I feel like my 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 beginnings are always that way, where, like, I write and then find the beginning once I go through a read-through and be like, oops, nope, like, delete those first few chapters, and that's actually the beginning. I feel like I always um, know where the story's going to start, and where I get, like, meandering is the middle for sure. Like, because I always know what the first chapter is going to be. Like, I, I don't think I've ever 
I don't think I've ever started a book where I don't know what the first chapter is gonna be. And so far it's worked out. I keep oh, keeping word word countdown is hard. I've added 25k during my edits. <laughs> I you know what I that's where I'm at more is like I'm more for them to add words than I'm going to, to subtract them. So yeah, I can feel that. I I wish I did that. I, w- I wish I could write like that. It would make my life so much easier. I'm always like really scared though because it always feels like a sc- it feels like my first draft is scant when I when I get done with it. I'm like, did I just like forget something? It ends up working out, I guess. I don't know. I mean, I've only done I've only gone to completion with one of them, so we'll see how the next ones come. But so far, this one will probably be ninety thousand. So that's good. Although I'm adding a chapter, maybe two. Because of the family trees, it occurred to me I needed to add something in. And so now I'm like, oh, no. So maybe I will mess up my own word count streak. That's okay. That's why we do indie publishing, right? We can do what we want. It can be as long as I fucking want it to be. (laughs) (laughs) I'm trying my hardest to keep mine under 100K. That's a good goal. It's good to keep it under 100K. Although I will say, you know, a lot of the uh, Kindle Unlimited authors who, like, like the Amy Dawes is, I think, I think her books are kind of long, but Lucy score for sure writes really long contemporary romances. Yeah. And because it's based on page reads on, on Kindle Unlimited, it like pays off money wise to have long books mm-hmm. on there. I was like, as long as your long books are like actually doesn't feel long, but like the action right. is moving yeah. along and, and you're keeping people's attention and they continue reading. Like that's great. Yeah. I knew, I, yeah, I had heard that at least recently, Lucy's scores have like gotten longer. I've heard, I saw some people using her as an example for writing. This person wanted to write like an obscenely long book, like 140,000 words. <laughs> Cut it in half, make it two books. I'm writing, I was gonna say, I'm writing a whole trilogy about two people, but I'm like, that's too many words. <laughs> but yeah, you're right, put in different books. My biggest issue is budgeted for 100K in edits. Yeah, okay. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, edits that will keep your word count down because it is expensive to get to get things edited for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And like I cannot yeah. wait until I can afford that because that is that's nice. <laughs> it takes a lot of time to do all these things if you can't just send it to an editor. So but I'm lucky I got I've, I had all those betas and I have like so many people around me that are like good readers <laughs> and like good at this. So having a Karma and OP in my stable is nice because they both well Karma's then has self-published and been published traditionally and so the two of them having their eyes on stuff is nice so the budgeting for new books that's i had no money no money but i did end up doing a spreadsheet i'm doing a spreadsheet to see what i've spent because you know i saw to buy, buy vellum had to buy icebn's because i went wide um i had to buy the copyright i had to uh i pay for office 365 every year and so like i went through and having no budget i still have like a like I still would have to make like $1,400 to break even because of the things you have to buy. Oof. Cause it's like to buy 10 ISBNs, it's like $300 and like to vellum was 200. Cause I got or 175. Cause I got it on sale during cyber Monday Pro writing aid grammarly. It's just all, it all adds up. Keep forgetting about the copyright. You need to add that. Yeah. 65 bucks for the copyright. Yep. You do it on, you do it on release day and you, Oh yeah. Atticus. Yeah, I have an Apple, so I, I went ahead and got Vellum. But yeah, adding is great too. 145. Yeah. Vellum without the deal is 250. So I got a very good deal on that. And oh, and then I pay I pay for a newsletter platform because like I'm not savvy. <laughs> like I need drag and drop 
in Flowdesk, drags and drops, and they had a beta deal going, so I got locked in $19 a month, which, like, is very expensive, but I'm gonna do it for a year and see if it's worth it in the end, and then I'll switch to something cheaper, but, like, this year, I was trying to figure out what was the easiest thing to take off my plate, and that was it. No, you don't have to have an ice band for book funnel. Book funnel, you can put like anything up. It's just you just put the file up. So yeah, you don't have to have an ice band for book funnel. Isn't ISBN specifically if you're doing um paperbacks? You use it for ebooks too if you go wide. So basically, your ISBN, you'd have to have a different one for your paperback, and you have a different one for your ebooks. But if you go wide, you want to have an ISBN that can go across the platforms for your ebook. Each of the platforms will give you a free ISBN, but it's like an AI sign-in for Amazon. Uh, Barnes and Noble has one, and so it's the same thing. So they you can track your book in their system, but you can buy a universal number that you can put across all of the systems. Gotcha. If that makes sense. So like it's it you don't have to. That's the thing is like you can go wide and not buy ISBNs if you don't want to. I just did because it keeps everything together. I can wait on ISBNs if that's the case. And that will help so much. Yeah, you don't, if you're not going wide, I don't think it's necessary. Why just, ISBNs keep going wide a lot neater. But yeah, I didn't have to put an ISBN for book funnel. I could have done something wrong. But as far as I know, I don't have, I mean, I didn't, I didn't put my ISBN information in for that one. You upload the EPUB and you upload the PDF to book funnel. And then they push that out. So you don't have to put any of that kind of information in. I don't know. Maybe I did something wrong. I'm not uh, infallible. I'm <laughs> a mess that's just trying to figure it out. So could be wrong, but fairly certain you don't need an ISBN to use book funnel because you don't really need ISBN for anything. Golden Angel has some videos about that. About what? About ISBNs and going wide and how you don't like she was saying that a lot of people say like they want to do the KU or just Amazon because of the ISBN thing. And she has some videos from like two weeks ago that specifically are talking about no you do not unless you specifically are wanting the um unless you want to yeah you don't have to unless you're specifically wanting to publish the paperbacks you are good and like because people use like the 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 lack of money thing for being scared about going wide and having to buy have the money to buy the isbns but yeah you don't have to you don't have to. yeah no you just upload your book and each of those sites will give you one google will give you every single one of those sites will give you a track like a an ISBN. That's not what it is, because an ISBN is through, is through uh, Bowker or whatever, however you say that. But it's the same thing. It's just specific. You just don't use that number on a different site. Now, a US an IS bleh, an ISBN that you get from Bowker, you can use across all the sites, and they still assign you one of those numbers. They still assign. I still get an ASIN for Amazon for my my book that has the thing. Is it still good? Is it? Is what's still on Goodreads. The reader mag? I don't have my reader magnet on Goodreads. I don't think. Unless someone put it there. I don't think so. No, you don't. Yeah, I don't think so. Uh, but for the uh, for paperbacks, same thing. So paperback, you so you will assign an ISBN to every format of your book. So if I have, you can have up to three. So you'll have an ebook. You can have an ebook. You have a paperback, and you have a hardback. So that's three different ISBNs that you would use because the ISBN mark what kind of thing it is. So like, I have an ISBN for for Sasha and the Butcher. There, I have an ISBN for ebook and I have one for my paperback but I use two for this launch again you don't have to I think for paperbacks uh again I don't I think the sites will assign you one so I think you're I think you're good um I'm not sure about Ingram Spark because like I said I'm still working through that headache because apparently I put it up on bar I you know I uploaded stuff to Barnes and Noble and then Barnes and Noble opened its big mouth and told Ingram Spark about it and then now I have to wait 30 days for them to transfer something. I have no idea what they're transferring between betwixt each other, but um, I'm just waiting. 
So my book is only, paperback's only available on Amazon right now. Oh, I can save it me a bit up front. Yeah, if you can wait, you can just, yeah. Especially if you're not planning on going, if you don't plan on going wide, ice bands, there's nothing you need to think about. <laughs> like, they just aren't. I mean, yeah. you can just go wide. I mean, you just go on Amazon. I mean, you can go wide without it, though, is the thing. And later get an ISBN and apply it to all of them. It's just like a tracking number. And I think Ingram Spark uses them to help, like, pull it all together in the metadata. I think it helps with metadata. Yeah, Golden Angel had a video about, like, what the ISBN does. I just had seen a lot of, I had just seen a lot of, on. there's a Facebook group called Wide for the Win. If you want to go wide, join that group. It's got great advice. Watch out. People get that. Actually, that group's a little nicer. I think <laughs> the twenty books to fifty k group is they're they're geared they're geared what they're geared way more toward going through Kindle Unlimited, and they can be a little bit uh, feisty in the comments. I don't know. I would never post in that group yeah. for fear. But yeah. Oh, this is what's so helpful, and I'm what you love about lives. Yeah, I'm glad we can help. I'm I'm happy to like. I just went through all of this, so I'm happy to like spit out all this. And just share it. Share it all. Uh, but yeah, those two groups, 20 books to 50K, Wide for the Win, are the two groups I joined like a year and a half ago before I even really thought I could do this. And I was saying I was going to do it, but I wasn't really sure. And I have just read so many comment threads and like so many things. And um, Wide for the Win, they talk about ISBNs a lot because it does simplify things for you on and as you go on, as your career grows. Um, but you absolutely do not have to have them. You don't, um, especially if you're only going to do eBooks to start, you really don't need them. So would be my suggestion. So don't let it, if you, if you don't want to do Kindle Unlimited, don't do Kindle Unlimited. If you do want to do it, do it. But like, don't let, don't let anyone tell you that you have to have ISBNs to go wide. You don't. It makes things easier. Yes. Another useful Facebook group that I learned, um, through Zoe York is writing Insta love. If you're a romance writer and like, Technically, a lot of these people write shorter things or novellas, um, but there is just a lot of useful information in there um, regarding both Kindle Unlimited and Writing Wide. And a lot of them have been switching from Kindle Unlimited to Writing Wide, so they do have useful information and their experiences of going from one to the other. I definitely want a paperback and I'll do KU because I personally love it. Yeah, if you want to do KU, absolutely do it. That's like, just like, that's why I joined 20 books, 20 books to 50K because they've got the best like marketing information and like the best strategy for that. And like wide for the win is definitely full of people that are either have been wide the whole time or people that have made the transition from KU to wide. They actually don't discuss KU in that group at all. Like there's like a, you do not talk about KU in this group uh, because it turns into like a bashing session and like that's not productive to anything. Cause I mean, all those people have decided to go wide. So like, why would you discuss something that none of them can be a part of? I get why people do KU. I just chose not to, but yeah, I mean, every, every choice is valid. <laughs> like I will say this week with it being my launch plus just like, TikTok in general has been very stressful because uh, the energy has been insane. And so like I've been very MIA, <laughs> like not just because I haven't been reading anything, but just I don't have the energy for uh, any of it, any of it. My eyes twitching. Like I don't even know if you guys can see that, but my eyes been twitching for two days. And I swear to God, it's because of the discourse here and on Twitter. <laughs> I'm like going to have to take a social media hiatus because I just can't. Because for me, I'm like, I would never judge anyone for any of their choices. Like you make a business choice. You're a business person, businesswoman, business. Being an indie author is being a business person. You're an entrepreneur. How you run your business is your business. I don't have any say in that. I can give you all of my information and all my tips and I'm happy to do it. 
And then you decide which path you want to take. Like, absolutely. I mean, it'd be foolish not to consider KU considering all of the the people we see flourishing on it. And like all of our mutuals who are flourishing on it. Like, so I, yeah, I, I've seen a lot of people doing either side of it. I'm planning on Kindle Unlimited. That's good. Yeah. I mean, like, I feel like wide authors feel like they have to defend their choice not to do Kindle Unlimited because readers really love Kindle Unlimited. For me, it's like a Kindle Unlimited reader does not mean they still can't buy my ebook. <laughs> like, they can still buy my exactly. ebook. And if they, don't, if they don't want to, then they weren't the reader for me. I think authors really need to consider, like, what you will see in both of those groups if you join it. You're going to see that, like, basically the reader group for your KU versus being wide are different reader groups. So, like, not one is better than the other one. It's just different reader groups. And like, I think a lot of authors get kind of hung up on this idea of like, I'll go to KU to build my readership and then I'll move. But like what I've seen repeatedly on Wide for the Win is that readership does not go with you. So if you go KU, going wide is going to be restarting. Not from zero, but you will be restarting. You will not, you are doing like the equivalent of like 50 books a month or something in KU. When you go wide, that's going to drop off. It just will. I mean, everything I've seen, it just will. And again, like, I think that gets weaponized against people that want to be in KU. And I just think that that's very, I just, that's not necessary. You know what I mean? Like, plus for voracious readers, KU is nearly a must. I would never read as much as I did without it. Yeah. If you read like a book a day, yeah, KU makes perfect sense for you as a reader. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I I can't argue with why KU is good. You know, Uh, that's, I... I think um, I read I read a lot on Libby. I mean, I have KU myself as a reader. I might be canceling it soon because I'm not reading as much because I'm doing more writing and other stuff. And Libby kind of fulfills a lot of the needs I have. But I don't know. But yeah, I just it, just choose what works for you. I don't know. Like, because a lot of people are like really getting like bent out of shape about other people's choices. That's silly. It just doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. Pick what works for you, what you can deal with, what you... The risks you're willing to take versus the, the the benefits, because that's what it is. KU is a risk benefit. It's a similar, you just have to decide what, what are you willing to deal with? Because like, like we've also seen being part of KU, they will kick you out. So it, I mean, like there's just, you have to decide what you're willing to risk. Like being a white author, it's a slow growth. It's a long game. You're not going to make money out the gate. Like I had a pretty good launch and I'm still like, all right, I'm still need like 10 more books before I'm seeing anything. Every time I try to cancel, KU gives me a deal too. Yeah, it's because KU, KU doesn't try to make money. Like <laughs> the Kindle Unlimited program is like, they don't make money there through subscriptions and books. Like uh, the model is actually set up to help run other bookstores out of business. It's great for readers and it's great. I mean, it's great for authors too that can get on a certain level of paying, but like it's not meant to be sustainable. But like, that's that's the whole Amazon isn't that the whole Amazon thing like Amazon runs in the negative all the time to purposefully push out certain things and get monopolies in areas and I mean like again I don't knock anyone for their choices I mean I have KU myself so I you know and they do give you a deal every time you try to cancel so get that deal get it because but yeah I I don't know I've just seen so much like arguing back and forth about KU and wide and so much misinformation i think that's what bothers me the most is the misinformation across both sides again i'm not going to argue the pros and benefits of ku because i don't i don't subscribe to it in that way like i'm a member of it but i get the deals like you do and I, that's the only reason why i have it still um but like as far as my own concept of the world i don't i don't know 
I mean, I get why people do it, so <laughs> I don't knock it. But I will say, if you want to do KU, 20 bucks to 50K is the group you want to be in. Absolutely. Because they, are, they have the best information on how to use the system to your benefit, how to do categories. Also, L, LM, Drew, I mean, we're all mutuals. I, I feel like it's just like the few of us talking anyway. L has great links to find your categories. So once you do have your book in, K, in the KDP app, but L's got this great tool where you can look at your categories once you have an ASIN number assigned. And you want to make sure your categories are there. So it's basically make sure you're following the right people to help you get where you want to be with KU. Because I see a lot of people thinking that you sign up for KU and it's over. It's not. There's so much you need to do. I was a great person to follow for that. Her Patreon for baby authors. I'm sure that that's a wealth of knowledge. She's killing it. So clearly she knows what she's doing. Um, but I just, I don't want people going to white authors looking for KU information and not getting the the skinny because those white yeah. authors aren't yeah. in KU. And I don't want I don't want white authors trying to go to KU authors trying to figure out what they're doing because it's a different it's a different ball game. They're just different. So we've been recording for over an hour. So we probably need to wrap things up. And if there's like a couple other I can't see what's happening over there. So if there's a couple other things related specifically to Stephanie that anyone wants to ask. Um otherwise probably need to wrap things up. Yep, I got to finish Family Trees. I wish I could see what's going on. I feel so left out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's different. Yeah. Both of them are different. And honestly, like, yes, it is. It's it's not an easy switch from one to the other, but it's also not a forever decision. So if you do one for a while and you right. really, really, really just are like, can't do it anymore, going to switch, like, do it. Just yeah. fucking do it. My thing is also when you make the switch, you just don't expect it to be the same or instantly better. It's a whole new thing. You're doing a whole new thing. You're basically starting from scratch. View it that way, and then any success will feel like icing on the cake. But yeah, every wide every wide post about switching from KU to wide is like, I thought it was gonna be easier, <laughs> and it never is. So, but yeah, I, it's been a good week. It was a lot easier slash. It feels like I missed something. So I hope that feeling goes away. It feels like I left something on in the kitchen. You know what I mean? Like that's that's where I'm at with this week uh, post-release. So we'll see. Got book two. I already have five pre-orders for book two. So that's feeling good. Woo! Thank God. Yeah. And then now we start to get Liz going. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> summer baby i'm excited it'll be fun me too uh well is there anything else on your end read the live nope we're wrapped up over here cool okay everyone so this was kind of different uh we've never done that before we did a tiktok live while actually recording and apologies if that was a disaster it was a learning experience for both of us um Hopefully in the future, if when we do that again, it'll be more of a planned thing that we have like set out information and people can hop on purposefully to join us. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I can. Ooh, I can set uh, events now. I found that the other night. Nice. I haven't. So, I haven't looked into it at all. So. Yeah, I can. I can finally schedule, so I can actually schedule next time we do this. Did it? Is it because you asked them to fix it, or like did something else happen that? You no fucking idea. All right, cool. Wonderful. Um, <laughs> <laughs> ten out of ten. Very helpful. <laughs> no idea. 
um so learning you know new year new us new technology baby yes, <laughs> new book for stephanie yeah, yeah. uh if y'all haven't read sasha and the butcher um i i, I know kind of sort of we talked about it throughout this podcast episode mostly was talking about just stephanie's experience in in indie publishing um in general but honest to god this book is great i'm not just saying that because she's one of my favorite humans it's a very good book takes place here in st louis you will see some cameos of people one cameo from season one of love and lust which is very exciting and i actually haven't like I've been meaning to make different TikToks about like the random shit you talk about in the book that no one but me would really notice. I'm like, I'm actually very terrified because I've had so many friends read the book that I'm going to get like in like inundated with these videos of like, I saw what you did there, Stephanie. <laughs> Well, it's like so far you and I have not written anything really that doesn't include heavy metal brunch. <laughs> also, Evie's in this book too. That's what, yeah, that's what I meant by the cameo from Love and Lust. It's Evie. Yeah, 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 yeah. So if you if you enjoyed Evie, honestly, go listen to season one of Love and Lust. If you haven't, yeah. she is the main character's best friend, and she's wonderful. She's and you get to learn you get to learn more about her. Uh, yeah, but. It is very exciting that Stephanie is officially now in her publishing journey. Oh my God, and I'm just chasing her 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 coattails hoping to join it's not soon. Chasing. It's not chasing. <laughs> I'm literally going to yank you to join. <laughs> You'll be dragged kicking and screaming, ma'am. <laughs> I'm not doing this by myself, okay? Fair. Yes, yep. I promise. This year, it is happening this year. Uh, May was initially my goal. I need to actually look at my schedule and see if that's realistic. But sometime this summer. So. If you want if you want to sit down at some point and like kind of go over your editing ideas and stuff, we can do that. Yes, please. <laughs> yeah, even if you're writing an editor, you still want to do the self these self edits for sure. No, I'm doing the cheap route like you, so I need to find all my uh, yeah. alphas and betas and and all yeah. those people and yeah. So maybe summer is a good idea. Yeah, yeah, that sounds great. I'm excited for you. It's so much. It's like it's like both very fun and terrifying at the same time, and I can't wait for you to feel the feelings so that then I can um <laughs> be not so we can be suffer not together. <laughs> Yeah, I love company. I would love some company. Thank you. <laughs> okay, I'll get right on that. <laughs> All right. We should probably wrap it up so I can go back to work. Yeah, same. I also hear Jeremy's footsteps, so he's home from comedy. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, everybody, I don't have... Oh, my God. It's been so long since I've done a pickup line. I need to do oh a pickup line. Yes, 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 yes. Okay. Yes, please. Hey, Stephanie. Yeah. Are you an overdue book? Because you have fine written all over you. Fantastic. <laughs> Fantastic. Very good one to come back on. <laughs> back, guys, we're back. We're, we're back, back, baby! Aha! <laughs> 
All right. Well, uh, yeah, well, we will hopefully be getting back in a semi-regular recording schedule now that it's 2022 and shit's a bit more normal-ish. I mean, yeah, it is. Ho- yeah. Holiday season craziness is over. The cases are down only 2,000 a week from like 10,000. So Jesus like Christ. we're almost back to where we were in December when I was coming over to your house. So yeah, we're almost back to. I'll, I'll probably be able to come. Probably next month is when I'll feel comfortable yeah. starting to like do that kind of thing. Yeah. If you want to read Stephanie's new book, Sasha and the Butcher, you can find it at Amazon, Barnes and Noble, all the places. I think, right? All the places. Apple, everywhere. Yep. All yep. the places. Um, and your website is—is is it just stephaniekazows.com? Yes, it is. And there's a there's links to everywhere. So if you go to my if you go to my website into my books page. There, there's a button you click and it'll take you to it'll, uh, books to read link that'll take you anywhere you want to go i'll have that linked in the um whatever <laughs> it's been so long since we did that i forgot the word for like the show notes <laughs> uh also uh y'all um the other day was our four-year anniversary oh my god it was i saw that Valentine's Day, which was also Stephanie's launch day, was our four-year Dick of the Week anniversary. It's become basically uh, Valentine's Day is going to become like the day that I put anything on that I can. <laughs> I love it. Well, for now, goodbye, everybody, and we'll be back with another episode of Dick of the Week soon. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Thank you for listening. We would love to hear from you, so contact us at lnlsmutcast at gmail.com. You can also find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at lnlsmutcast. Find episodes of this and other great shows at calamitycast.com or wherever you find your podcast. We'll be back in two weeks with another episode of Dick of the Week. This has been a Calamity Cast production. For more content, visit calamitycast.com and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.